Yes, people, what's going on? How are you? It's me, Griff, obviously. Uh, it's episode 339? Don't have a clue. Don't have a clue. Yeah, 339 of Griff's Brain Dub. It's me, Griff. Obviously, how you doing? Yes, the podcast is late. I'm in Reading just before a gig. My first gig back. I thought my first gig back was going to be last week in St. Albans, but it was cancelled. It's like, shit. So now I'm here. I'm here. Uh, in Reading, I am emceeing the show, I'm here a bit early, acts aren't meant to be here till quarter past seven, I managed to get here ten to seven, I thought, have I got anything to do to kill this time, and I was like, yes, my pod, I haven't done the pod, um, how are you doing, what, what's what gone on um, since I last spoke to you, um, was it Spurs battered Arsenal 2 all at the Emirates, <laughs> Now, do what? For the neutral, it was a good game. Um, I've, I've had a few Arsenal fans say, you guys should have won. We were shit. Um, so, it's interesting. It's interesting how people came away from the game. I thought we played all right in parts. Um, it was nervy. But, listen, it's Spurs at the Emirates, which means it's usually 3-1, 3-0 defeat. So, first derby about Harry Kane. Sonaldo. Captain Sonny, he steps up calm. It's all good. So yeah, it's been uh it was that was good. That was good football. Um I played football that morning, one seven one, I think we won. That was good. And um that's it. That's that's all that's gone on in my life. Um Late Nights and Wet White Pod, that's still going. Go check it out if you haven't listened to that podcast. Um, yeah, see, that's the thing, because I haven't been gigging, I haven't got that, you know, it's comedy stories to tell you guys, but this is, I'm back, and I'm back now, I'm going to be, um, like I said, Reading tonight, uh, Leicester on Friday, I keep saying Leicester, Peterborough, that's all it is, in my head, it's filed as Midlands and Colour Blue, <laughs> I think of the football clubs, so I'm like, yep. Yeah. I don't think Peterborough is even technically East Midlands. I think Peterborough is East of England. Anywho, Peterborough. All right. Peterborough on Friday. Saturday, I'm at a wedding um, up in Cambridge. And then Sunday, I'm at Backyard Comedy Club with the legends. With the legends in the game. Yep. Okay, we're going to be there with Fumby. Prince Abdi, those are young legends. But I'm talking about the real legends here. Headlined by Slim. MC'd by Kane. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Usually, I don't care about who else is on the lineup. But when those, when you've got Kane hosting and Slim closing, man, I've got, I've got to be funny. I've got to be funny. I mean, I've got these guys respect already, but just for me, it's just, it's, these are the guys. These are the guys that, when it comes to live comedy, these are guys I've watched. And it, it, it will never be something that I'll just be like, yeah, it's whatever. I mean, I get it. They know my name. They know me. Yeah. I'll be in the, there's no green room at the backyard, but it's like, yeah, what's happening, D? And it'll be handshakes and be great. It'll be love. And I, and I and I know I'm respected as a comedian and seen as one of them. But 
there's levels to this. You know, it's like if you're a footballer and you're in the same dressing room as Zidane. Yeah? He knows you're a footballer. You know he's a footballer. You train together. You're on the same... You wear the same kit. Yeah, you're even in the same team. But there's levels to this. All right? There's levels. So, yeah. There's there's very there's uh, very few live comics. Um, and to be fair, it's, it's just... It's weird because like even like white comics from TV. I mean, I've met Russell Howard. Gigged with Russell Howard, opened for him. But it just, it's just, it's just not the same. It's not the same. I don't know why. I'm trying to think, is there a TV comic, you no, know, like white household name that made me go? Ah oh, fuck. I'm waiting for this guy. Or we're on the same lineup. I generally don't think there is. And that's not and listen, I've I've gigged with a few and there's levels. Again, it's still levels. It's still a thing of you're like fucking hell. You can tell that was just off the top of his head and that was ten minutes better than anything I've written. Like there's levels, there's still levels, don't you worry. Not not this and that, but it's that feeling of oh shit, that's slim. Ah, that's Kane. Ah, that's Cat B. Ah, that's Richard Blackwood. Ah, that's Curtis Walker. Ah, you know what I mean? There's people that, like I said, when I was younger and I was going to Broadway Theatre in Catford, when I was going to um, the Hackney Empire. You know, it was those places, and I saw those, those people. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy to be in the same lineup as them. Like that's the that's the look down, as I like to call it, look down the ladder moment. You got to look down the ladder, because it's easy just to, because do what's prompting all of this, right? I'll tell you what is. I got DM'd by someone. Um, got DM'd by another comic. He saw the lineup. What is Alex Martini's name is uh, Italian comic. Um, and he must be going, oh, when, when, when was you, <laughs> when do you decide you was going to be this big or this big time? And did like fire emojis at the lineup. Oh, so I'm just giving for a couple of legends. Now to me is like, I'll be honest, when the lineup first came, I was like, yeah, that's cool. And with Slim and came, and I took, I took a step back. It's a look down the ladder moment in the sense of going right, because you're just climbing, 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 climbing. Especially you do Edinburgh, you're in that bubble. We're talking about what we want to do with the show and what's next and work in progress for another shows and booking this and that. That they just, you just carry on going. Um, I mean, we've got the oh, I'll tell you guys now. I can tell on the pod. Got recording for Comedy Central coming up in a few weeks' time. Um, so I've got to write the transcript for that. I'm going to try out that material tonight on stage. Then I'll be like, right, I'll put it down on paper, send it off to the agent to send it over to the lawyers to say, you can't say that. Uh, <laughs> and, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll go back to that anyway. But um, yeah, so I'm just thinking about next thing, next thing, next thing. But then just take a little look down the ladder. But Darren, you remember when you was, you sat in the audience in, in the nosebleeds in, in Catford Broadway, and, you, and you've seen all these type of acts on stage. You've seen Slim and 
Richard Blackwood and Dibby and you know just just big names in the black comedy scene, UK black comedy scene. And he's just like, fuck, I'd love to get on stage. And do you know what? And then I'll see those guys, and I'm, I've gone right to the top. I've gone right to the legends there. I've gone right to the top. I'm talking about the guys who are just young, the young legends. Guys have been in the game for like 13, 14 years, who are fully in my phone. I'm talking about Axel Blake, Junior Booker, Ori Styler, Travis J, Kevin J. I know Kevin's not black, <laughs> but he's in the scene. He's always been in the scene. Shabba, all these guys who have been in the scene, when I was going, it's a, I'm just, the guys I was talking about first is when I was a kid, like, where it's I'm in an where I'm allowed to come to the show because the language might be a bit, mm, not too sure if he should come, but it's like, fine. And then those guys I mentioned, the guys... When I finished uni, and I'm watching, and not really clocking now, know how long they've been going. In hindsight, it's like they—they they just come out of uni. They're, they're new, but to me, they're fucking funny, and I knew their names. I knew them. And then it's weird that now I have Kevin on my pod. I'm messaging Trav saying, "Congrats on your kid." Yeah, you know I mean. Me and Oriel bus drive. It's, it's crazy. Like, I say, it's the look down the ladder moment. Of, I remember being off stage, seeing these guys. But like, oh, I want to do what they're doing. Fuck, I've missed out people like fucking Kojo, man. There's what I'm talking about. These are people that I've gigged with. I gig with. And I'm just like, yeah, it's whatever. So, yeah. So, it's good. It's, it's uh, I use that as motivation. So, yeah, I'm having a good time in a good place comedy-wise. Like I said, being off for that long gave me a chance to recharge. I'm ready to cause absolute mayhem and havoc tonight. Just just free. Just free. Just Let's just free myself. So with the Comedy Central thing, guys, Comedy Central Live, you might have seen videos of it with people uh, post online, post it everywhere on their social platforms and stuff. And... Um, in my head, it's like, all right, what am I going to do? I need to write some new bits, write some old bits, did, 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 use the old bit, use the bangers, use this, that. And I thought, nah, I'm going to be a maniac. <laughs> and I'm, I don't want to use material from my current show. I don't use material from Inconceivable, but I might have to burn the opening of Inconceivable. Because it's just a generic opening. I don't know. I want, but I, I, the opening's all right. But I feel like there's something I can say that make people go, <gasps> Even more. I want people on the edge of their seat. But that's the thing. I'm going to let you let you, let you know the sausage is made people. The opening joke is your hardest joke to write. A good opener is a hard joke to write. Because when you start comedy, your first opener is about you. Who you are. I'm from, I'm Darren. I'm from a place called Harlow, Essex. Everyone's heard that one, yeah? Um... Second openers I like to do are ones about current affairs. You can't do that for TV because you don't know when it's going to be broadcast. So then it's like, right. Usually it's like an observation about itself, what you look like. I don't have any real defining features. Not really. As someone watching me on the internet, I'm not particularly fat, I'm not particularly tall, I'm not particularly skinny, I'm not particularly short. 
I'm just an average looking, moderately attractive black man. That's it. Unless I start wearing wacky clothes just to, you know, be a bit of a gimmick. I'm not doing that. So I need to find a fire opener. But other than that, oh, topics I'm going to talk about. I'm going to try it out today. See if the people are red and fuck with it. I don't even need them to laugh. I just need them to react. If they react, then it's, it's staying in. That's it. But um, yeah, that's what I've been doing anyway. So um, that's that's the good. That's some good news. To look forward to. Um, and yeah, yeah, man. I've got some deadlines, some writing deadlines, given to me by my agents because I'm such a fucking child. I need deadlines. I can't just do stuff off my own back. I've told them. I go, look, you guys need to push me and say you want. You want a pitch document by this date. So I've got to work on a pitch document. I've got to work on uh, on a book outline for something else. <laughs> it's crazy. Things are going on. But it's very embryonic. Very embryonic. Okay. Anywho. Let's uh, let's get into Dear Dears. Got, I've got nothing more to talk about. I need to go back to Emma. Um, right, 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 because I've got 15 minutes before I'm going to appear at the door, and they're like, wow, you are so on time, I'm like, yeah, why wouldn't I be on time, and they're like, we don't know, we don't know enough black people to make this, to make a stereotype, what is this saying? Um, what? Oh, that's, that's weird. Uh, right, sorry, I need to pause. I need to pause. No, say it on the pods. But, um, yes, yeah, so we've got a security system at our house, and then my wife's just gone, oh, the guy who installed it came around to check we're okay. A little bit booky. Uh, booky, but may also be sincere. Sorry, let me send that. How d- how did you feel about it? Um, right, dear Deirdre. And she's cussed me about moving the remotes to places she can't find. Um, you found them? Right. Anywho. Come on, come on, come on, because this pod can't run without dear Deirdre. Um, you guys, why, why haven't I done the pod um, earlier this week? Well, let me tell you what I've been doing. Um, uh, none of your business, right? None of your fucking business. Now, Saturday, we was with friends. We was at, um, went to friend's house. Uh, Sunday... Played football, watched football, out for my sister's birthday meal. And then all the rest of the week, I've just been knackered. And I've got in Monday, recorded late nights and wet wipes. Tuesday, played football. Wednesday, being a parent. While Naomi went to the gym. No, Wednesday was yesterday. That isn't what happened. What did I do? I don't know. I don't know what we did. Anyway, but I'm here, Thursday. You got me now. So shut your mouth. Um... I'll tell you what's back. It's very sporadic. I'm jumping up and ra- up and down all around. Do I mention it? 
now I'll tell you next week I don't know if I remember it next week but uh, Love is Blind I love a bit of trash TV Love is Blind I've been watching Billions as well so if people have been watching that either of those shows hit me up let's chat let's chat about it anyway dear Deirdre I broke my ex-lover's heart now he blames his life-threatening diagnosis on me I mean unless he's got some kind of you know cardiac cardiothoracic tear a genuine tear a literal heartbreak then yeah it's your fault but let's see what happens anyway dear Deirdre I let down my lover by choosing to stay with my long-term partner now he says he has cancer and it's due to the stress I have caused him well that's bad and cancer's horrible but this guy needs to you know he's a it. eat that no because <laughs> no you can't be blaming your cancer on me fuck off fuck off fuck off fuck off unless it's lung cancer and i've been blowing smoke into your face all your life then yes you can but no anyway he's 53 i'm 50 we were together for just over a year we met at a gym and soon started confiding in each other about our failing relationship. So it's not even his wife that's caused the cancer. It's you, his lover. Anyway, he would, we would go for a drink after our workout and found solace in each other. The sex was intense and I really felt a strong connection to him. We spent months sneaking around, playing our lives together. But then my partner of 20 years, who is 54, really started making an effort with me. Previously, I had felt completely neglected and overlooked by him. He even took me away for a wonderful weekend and I began to remember all the good things about him, like his love of nature and his kindness. I knew on that weekend I would stay and make the most of the relationship. My decision did not go down well with my lover, but initially he said he respected it. That was until he started to harass me with text messages. He begged me to give him a second chance and although I turned him down each time, the messages kept coming. I eventually blocked him and cut off contact. I hadn't heard from him for months until I got a phone call from an unknown number. It was him. And he told me he'd been diagnosed with cancer and it was all my fault. (laughs) That's mad. He said the stress I'd caused him had impacted his health. I know I'm not to blame, but I feel awful and can't stop thinking of it. Listen, unless you're an oncologist, fuck that guy. If anything, I'm the type of person that if you try to put cancer on me, you're trying to blame me for your cancer. I hate you. Any sympathy I was going to feel for you, I'm like, fuck you, fuck you into the ground. You're not my friend anymore. You can't blame me for your cancer. Like I said, unless I was doing the madness, like just carrying, you know, uranium around in my bag. And you're like, Darren, seriously, promise me you haven't got uranium in your bag again. I'm like, bro, I haven't. I haven't. I swear I haven't. And I do. Then it's my fault. Okay? Ah, no. Next one, work woes. Work woes. Work woes. Work woes. My girlfriend can't keep a job and it's ruining our relationship. Dear Deirdre, I love my girlfriend with all of my heart, but her inability to keep a job is ruining our relationship. That, that'd be fucking annoying. That was one of the things, that was one of my deal breakers. Uh, is that you need to have a career and it needs to be stable. I can't have you going from one job to another, to another, to another. And it's not even career focused. It's just, you know what I mean? I'm a painter. Now I'm a tree. You know, that night. Anyway, um, 
how can I focus on building a future with someone who can barely afford to pay her share of the rent? Yeah, it's long. It's long for you. What the fuck is this? Sorry. To... There you go. Sorry. Anyway, um, I'm 37 and she's 34. We've been together for nine years. Ah, oh, you're a dickhead. You're the dickhead. Because I don't think she suddenly became shit at keeping jobs in the last year. For nine years, she's been shit at keeping jobs. You stayed there. Fuck off, fuck off, fuck off. We've been together for nine years and since the beginning, she has been in and out of work, swapping jobs every few months. It's you, you're the dickhead, mate. I assumed this was something that would change as we grew up. You mean as you grew up? You're 37 and you met her nine years ago. That means you met her when you was 28. She was 24. I don't know. Maybe, maybe because I came out of uni at 22 with a, like, a career path. Because uh, I went to uni. Maybe that's me. Maybe me being snobby. I don't know. Things would always follow the same pattern. She would get a job, try for the first few weeks, and after a while, she would start calling in sick and slacking until she was eventually let go. She hasn't kept a single job for more than five months. Get rid of her. She's kept you, though, isn't it? Pussy up. I've tried multiple times to speak to her, but she always blames something or someone else. Because she never has any money, I end up having to pay most of our expenses. Yeah, she's got a great deal. Stay with you, you mug. Nothing changes. And I'm starting to resent her for it. A part of me wonders if I would be better off without her. Yeah, probably. Probably. Probably, mate. So, bit her off. Because, you know, we ask, you know, we ask, what do you bring to the table? This girl looks like she fucks up the table every time. She ain't trying to bring nothing to the table. She's just fucking up the table. Oh, damn Three ways. My biggest sexual fantasy is a threesome, but girlfriend won't consider it. Fair enough. Then that's that's off the table, isn't it? I can't understand why she's so reluctant. Maybe because she's not a lesbian. She's not bisexual. Or if you want another guy, maybe she doesn't want two dicks inside. I don't know. Maybe she's weird like that. Anyway, I can't understand why she's so reluctant. It's fair to say that we've always been sexually adventurous. So why is it why is this where she draws the line? Well, mate, you wanted to never draw the line. Next thing you know, you're fucking smashed her in the back of the head with medieval weapons. Where's the Where's the line there? She's got to be somewhere, isn't it? I'm 28. She's 27. We've been together for three years. Since we started dating, I have always told her that a threesome is something I really wanted to try. I love the idea of sharing. Loved the idea of her sharing me with another woman. She always said that perhaps it would happen one day. Yet three years later, that day still hasn't arrived. So, you, bruv, you stay in this relationship on the whim, on the hope that you might get a threesome. You're a dickhead. It's putting a strain on our relationship because I can't get the idea out of my head. What should I do? Have a wank, man. Have a wank. Do that. I mean, have a wank. Um... This is silly. Um, right, let's 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 do this last one. See this last one. See this last one. Right, and then we're off going into the gig because I've been told for probably like twenty minutes. Right, it's not that long. It's been a short pod, twenty-three minutes. That's decent. Dear Deirdre, my ex-wife's social media 
posts are really beginning to stir me. As in what? Turn you on. No, she is she done the glow up. Where she is frumpy through the whole relate frumpy through the whole relationship. Well, you know, when she first snared you, she wasn't. Then she goes frumpy. And then you split up and she's like, new life, new me. And just bare gym selfies and just on the squat rack. Now, let's see. Even though she cheated on me multiple times, it is my ex's latest relationship that stings the most. Okay, she shamelessly flaunts her new man on social media and boasts about their energetic bedroom activities. But I still miss it. Ah, golly. I put everything into our marriage and thought we'd grow old together. Instead, I feel rejected and do not think I can ever trust another woman again. So you got to allow all of that shit. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm watching Love is Blind. Everyone's doing that. I'm fucked up, heartbroken, my ex did this to me. Go to therapy if you can't go with your ex. Because you've got to. The fearlessness I'm going to install in my children when it comes to relationships and love. It's got to be this. Look, you've got to risk heartbreak every time. If you want the relationship to work, you've got to risk heartbreak every time. Because you see me, I was that guy. I was the typical guy's journey where, you know, wrist heartbreak in the first relationship. And you love off that girl. Love her, you love her, you love her, you love her. You do everything. You do all the cute shit. You write poetry and you, and you keep you have keepsakes and you're just sweet and you're super thoughtful and everything's about her everything's about her and then she does something to break your heart and then that's that's the the villain origin story the one girl breaks your heart and then it's it donut 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 you know what i mean it's it's pure anakin skywalker settings from then on That's it. I'm now Darth Vader. Fuck these bitches. <laughs> I mean, you're just a different guy. And then you meet good woman after good woman. And you're just so twisted and broken. You're like, no. Never again. And then you got to get to an age and maturity. And even then, even me, with all this wherewithal you think i gave everything to no moon when we first started dating fuck no that's why you're taking me for a muck that's 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 always it why you're gonna take me for a muck but it's never gonna work so going to the next relationship i can't trust women i can't trust men they're just done the relationship they don't even bother but go do some therapy go make yourself better mate stop looking at your ex yeah stop looking at your ex on social media um, my, my wife and I have been married for 20 years I'm 50, she's 48 We have three grown up children During our marriage she had at least two affairs Jesus Christ, that I know of And it could have been more Jesus, she disappeared off for days Leave me to look after kids stupidly That always took her back This woman sounds terrible Then when the children had finally left home She announced she'd met someone else and wanted a divorce I still think about her every day Even though we're not in contact She's marrying a new man soon And I feel insanely jealous Mate, she's going to fuck him over you're good. You got your kids. 
find a new woman, find a woman with kids herself, with grown-up kids, and just be fucking happy, man. You're looking at this thing that treated you shit, and you're like, nah, I don't want anything that was going to treat me well, because I just want to focus on the thing that treated me shit. Makes no sense. I understand you, but stop it. Uh, he's 42. I can't help looking at her social media and torturing myself with her posts. The meals out, the holidays, things we should be doing together. She even took him to a place in Italy where we spent our honeymoon. See, she's got no original ideas. Dead chick. I remember my ex, one of my exes, we were still um, in each other's social circles. She tried to make me jealous by telling me about what her new man was doing for her. Took her in a plane. He had his own pilot's license. Flew her around. I was like, that is fucking sick. <laughs> oh, jealous? I was like, I was jealous of him. I was jealous that I didn't have anyone to fly me in a plane. But I wasn't like, man, I'd fly you in a plane. No, I can't fucking fly a plane. It's not competitive. I was like, yeah, fair enough. Nice. Did you enjoy it? Where did you go? And because I just asked all bare questions that I was like excited for her, she's like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. It's like, all right. Anyway, that really hurt me. I've tried dating since we divorced, but I rarely get beyond the first meeting. The women the women I see don't match up to my ex in looks or personality. Personality, mate. She cheated on you continuously. I mean, she might still be like banned, though. That's fair. That's fair. I know I come across as insecure and I find myself take, talking about my divorce, which is off putting. How can I move forward? Have a wank. It's always the way. You just gotta have a wank. Have a wank, you'd be fine. Um so yeah. Anyway. I mean that's that's it. I ain't got any advice for you, man, except for this. Just get over your ex. Just get over her. Just get over it, alright? And that's it. That's what you need to do. You just need to just realise that there's a life without her and you will be fine. That's all. That's all. You'll be fine. You're fine. I don't, how do you do that? How do you go over next when you're the one that's actually heartbroken? Do what? It's just focusing on yourself, man. That's the thing. That's the actual advice I'll give you. The proper advice I'll give you is this. Think about the things you couldn't do when you was with her. Just think of all the things you couldn't do. It's hard to think of it in the moment, in this moment, but just think about it. Because your brain's so wide, you've been with someone for that long, you're so wide to think, I can't do that, can't do, can't do that. He's like, no, I'm single now, I've got adult kids, I can actually do that. It could be something fucking boring and weird, like going to see all the lower league stadiums. Like, I don't know what you're into. I've always wanted to ride the train from King's Cross to, to Aberdeen. You know, just do it, man. Just fucking do it. That weird shit that men like to do that we just stop doing because our girlfriends or wives go, really? Do that shit. That's what you need to do. All right. And just keep doing that for three months to six months. And eventually you'll be on Instagram looking at other women and your dick will get hard. And you'll be like, listen, Papa's back in the game and he'll be good. That's my advice to you. Right, I've got to get out of this car and be professional. Show my face that I'm here before they start panicking. All right, see you later. Peace.